Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is September the 24th, 2021, and we are in the beginning of, of uh, autumn, of fall. Uh, the summer is gone, um, and as I watch the news, I think the sanity of this administration has left also. Not that I'm sure there was ever any sanity to be found with everything that's been happening. Um, so we're going to dive in and take a hard look where we are and what it means to to the average American. And that really should be the question we ask every time there's a story about politics or policies. I am so tired of hearing what immigrants want, what this group wants, what that group wants. Abraham Lincoln envisioned an America that created a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. I'd like to know what people, our current crop of politicians, think Abraham Lincoln was talking about. And what really disturbs me tremendously is that most people have been foolishly conned into accepting the nonsense, the absurdities, as I referred to them in my latest articles for Front Page Magazine. So I'm going to ask all of you after my program to go and check out two articles. I provided the links on the Blog Talk Radio website, my article for Front Page Magazine. Start with that one. It was just published this morning, in fact, and the article was uh, Biden, con man in chief, foists absurdities on Americans. The subtitle, meanwhile, the threats to America and Americans increase. And two days ago, U.S. Incorporated, U.S. Inc., I-N-C, U.S. Inc.org, published my article, Biden has turned the southern border crisis into a super spreader event. Let's be very clear about why we have immigration laws and why we have borders. And no one is challenging the politicians on this point. Our immigration laws were enacted originally to protect national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans. What's wrong with that? George W. Bush outrageously, around the time of the Uh, 20th anniversary of the terror attacks of September 11, 2001, complained that the Republican Party had become the party of nativists. Now, that statement speaks volumes about who George W. Bush is, and he was a guy that did tremendous damage to America. Uh, I'm not not even going to get into the wars and those adventures. That's outside my area of expertise, but certainly... There's been many people who questioned the wisdom of going into Iraq and doing many of the other things that he did. But it was clear to everybody that the attacks of 9-11, and he had a front row seat. There's been so many documentaries showing him sitting at the desk on Air Force One as the airplanes flew from one end of the country to the other because they didn't think it was safe to bring the president back to Washington after the Pentagon was hit. Another airplane went down in Shanksville. So... The concern was we don't want the president going into a terror attack. He's safest at 45,000 feet. He should have realized what was happening. But he himself was such a globalist, is such a globalist, he could not bring himself to do what really should have been done and what the 9-11 Commission said should have been done, secure the borders, enforce the immigration laws. And I was part of that process. That's why I was called for all those hearings and I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission because it was rapidly apparent to everybody that 9-11 was only possible because of multiple failures of the immigration system. And I've discussed this in the past on this program. And I don't want to retread old history. But I want you to understand that both political parties have been taken over by globalists. Globalists. They don't care about Americans. They care about businesses. They care about importing an army of foreign workers. And I hate to say it, but I believe there's a lot of politicians who are happy that drugs are flowing freely into our country. Never mind the tens of thousands of people who die of opiate overdoses every year. Never mind the violence that's perpetrated 
as a direct result or indirect result of people involved with narcotics, whether it's the violence of the drug cartels, whether it's the violence of people who are desperate to get their hands on money so they could um, get the drugs that they've become addicted to and commit violent crime, never mind the gangs that are financed by drug money. Because the drug money gets moved by various financial institutions, by the money remitters. It's big business. It's big business. And when Tom Tancredo, who at the time, right at the time of 9-11, and I testified to Tom, he was the chairman of the um, Immigration Reform Caucus in the House of Representatives, when he suggested that we tax money being wired out of the country, <clears throat> um, it was really interesting because First Data Corporation, which was the parent to Western Union, and they move, you know, tons of money every year, when Tancredo said we're going to tax the money, they moved the headquarters from First Data Corp from Atlanta to Colorado, Tancredo's district, and made it clear to him that if you go forward with this plan to tax remittances, we're going to spend a ton of money to knock you out of your seat in the House of Representatives. Think about that. It's all about moving money around the world, moving people around the world, moving drugs around the world. The corruption that we're seeing from governments all over the world is unprecedented and outrageous, and it's costing, I don't know how many millions of people, their lives every year. You look at Mexico, it teeters on being a failed state because of the drug trade. And you have a president now in the Oval Office who has done everything possible and then some to dismantle our borders and dismantle immigration law enforcement. It's astonishing. It's astonishing. And, you know, I I always like to quote this. I I don't like to quote it. It's sad. It's tragic. But the first paragraph of the uh, introduction of the preface to the official government report that was written by the staffers who worked on the 9-11 commission these were attorneys and federal agents they wrote a special report called 9-11 and terrorist travel printed by the government printing office it's an official report not something that was in the supermarket tabloids this is something the government printed and it begins by saying it is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the united states if they're unable to enter the country yet prior to september 11 While there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe for reasons we discussed in the following pages that it must be made one. People running our government couldn't figure out that border security equates to national security. Just stop and think of the enormity of that statement. How insane is that? How do you protect the country when you can't keep enemy combatants out of your country? How do you protect your citizens when you don't stop people with dangerous communicable diseases from entering America? Ellis Island was a quarantine station. And we thought we were past all that. Oh, we've got modern meds. And along comes COVID-19. And suddenly everyone is scrambling. Now what do we do? And suddenly borders are important except for Joe Biden. So the same Joe Biden who threatens to fire federal employees who refuse to take a vaccine has dumped hundreds of thousands, God knows how many aliens, into the country who shouldn't be here, who have not been vaccinated, and many of them are sick not only with COVID, but other dangerous diseases, which violates Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, because that talks about the need to keep people out of the country if they have dangerous diseases. It's about protecting Americans. Just stop and let that sink in. So who in the world is running our government if they didn't think that border security was an element of national security. You know, the shared common goal of all of our branches of our armed forces is to keep the enemies of America as far from our shores as possible. I don't think anybody could argue with that statement. In fact, uh, I work with the Speakers Bureau down in Washington, D.C. They do seminars for the military, the intelligence services. I've many times had the privilege of standing in front of a room filled with uh, Air Force and, and, and other generals from other branches of the armed forces, colonels, senior 
uh, <clears throat> civilian employees. Two years ago, one of our astronauts who just come back from the space station was in attendance. So we, we had a roughly 30-minute meeting. I got to take a picture with him because, to me, uh, astronauts have always been my heroes going back to when I was uh, in junior high school. And I got a letter from Alan Shepard and another letter from Gus Grissom. And, and those letters, to me, are the most valuable possessions that I have. So these guys were my heroes. And when I've made that point to them, nobody ever stood up and said, no, you're getting that wrong, Mr. Cutler. Of course, the common mission of all of our military services is to keep the enemies of our country as far from us as possible, keep their airplanes away, their ships, their weapons, etc., etc., etc. Up close and in person, however, that vital task upon which rests national security, public safety, and public health, that task falls to the Border Patrol and to Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Think about that. So, and I've, I've spoken about it before, but Joe Biden created a catastrophe in Afghanistan. <clears throat> it resulted in the release of thousands of battlefield-hardened terrorists who hate America, want to see America destroyed. <clears throat> resulted in the capture by the Taliban of tens of billions of dollars of weaponry, American weaponry and has resulted in turning Afghanistan once again into a base of operations for the most virulent anti-American terrorists on this planet. So put those two elements together. No border security, terrorists who are armed to the teeth, on the loose. How hard would it be to come to the United States if that's what's happening? And there have been hearings about this very possibility. Um, let, me, let me see if I could bring this up. By the way, before I do that, I, I want to read a section. And this is in my article, by the way, for Front Page Magazine. And, and so what I really want everybody to do is very simple. Read my articles. Forward them by any means possible to as many people as you can. Become part of what I call my bucket brigade of truth. I just want people to understand the situation. This isn't about being left or right. I just had an argument with a neighbor. She said to me, oh, you couldn't possibly like Democrats. You hate Democrats. No, I hate corrupt politicians. I hate politicians who think that their oaths of office was a joke, because I can tell you as a federal agent, uh, I certainly took that oath seriously. I can tell you that the men and women of law enforcement and the men and women of the armed forces all take their oaths of office seriously. And both parties have gotten us into this disastrous situation. It's not one or the other. It's both. Trump was the first guy to stand up to the madness. Now, I didn't always agree with Donald Trump. I thought his messaging was terrible. His use of language, uh, deplorable. I hate to say deplorable. I always think of Hillary with her basket of deplorables. Talk about being deplorable. Hillary, look in the mirror. But my goodness, the goals of securing our border against illegal entry is critical. It's called for in the 9-11 Commission staff report. Think about it. And people say, well, he just wanted to keep everybody out. He was a xenophobe. The border wall wasn't designed to keep people out. <clears throat> the border wall, <clears throat> pardon me, did not block ports of entry. If the goal was to keep people out, then they would have turned off all the ports of entry and shut it down. That's not what happened. The border wall was designed to funnel all people and all commerce through ports of entry so they could be vetted and a record of entry created we could make certain we weren't letting in criminals or terrorists or drugs or weapons. That's the purpose of the border wall. But again, the media is not reporting on it the way it should be. And I have to tell you, even Fox News calling illegal aliens migrants, you have American migrants. A migrant is a person who travels around the country doing agricultural work, and there are American migrants. So by using the word migrant, you're ignoring the key issue. We're talking about non-citizens, aliens. That's what we're talking about, migrants. Baloney. Words matter. Words have impact. When Jimmy Carter, back when he was president, demanded that immigration agents refer to aliens as immigrants, <clears throat> even if they were here illegally, he called them undocumented immigrants, forevermore everyone equated people who were here legally or illegally, with the term immigrant, that if we're a nation of immigrants and you dare suggest we keep anybody up, you're anti-immigrant, you're a xenophobe, and as George W. would say, you're a nativist. Well, you know what, folks? I have a confession. I'm a nativist. 
Because if you look up nativist, it means that you put the citizens of your country ahead of the immigrants. <clears throat> Isn't that what we're supposed to do as a country? Parents take care of their children before they take care of their neighbor's children. That's what we do. We take care of our own first. I, I did a little bit of research, and it's really interesting. Poverty runs rampantly throughout the world. What we think of as poverty would be considered opulent living in some parts of the world. Here's a quick question, a fun fact, and the number isn't exact, but roughly, how many human beings have no electricity? Now, that, that's a good indicator, unless you're out in the campgrounds, I guess, having a vacation. But living with no electricity, how many people on the planet do you think live that way? I mean, that's, we're talking Stone Age. It's roughly one billion people, with a B, one billion should we bring that, that billion uh, population to the United States so we can give them electricity? It's an absurdity. We can do as much as we can to help the world achieve progress, to, to become more technological, to feed more people, et cetera, et cetera, to clean up the environment. I'm all in favor. But the idea that we're going to bring the world to America to, save, to stop world hunger, it, it reminds me of these you know, young ladies who, who become, you know, beauty queens. And they ask them what their platform is besides their platform shoes. And they'll say something brilliant like, I want to end world hunger. They have no idea, but it sounds good. I want to end world illiteracy. How? No idea, but that's what I want to do, and that's my platform because I dream big. Okay. <clears throat> How do you end world hunger? It doesn't start by bringing everybody who's hungry to the United States of America. Think of America as a lifeboat. Think of it as a lifeboat in a rough sea filled to the brim with people, <clears throat> sharks circling, and you may have people in the water, which is awful, but if those people start to try to get onto your lifeboat, that lifeboat is going to sink and no one's going to survive. That's pretty much the way the world is right now. So the best thing that America can do, it reminds me of what we're told when we get on board an airline, and they say, well, if the oxygen masks come out of the overhead compartments, put yours on first so that you don't become part of the problem. If you are able to breathe, then you can help the people around you. If you're not breathing, you're going to be unconscious, and you're not going to be able to help anyone. You just add to the problem. America needs the oxygen right now. We have a deficit that's in the stratosphere and growing like a skyward-launched rocket. <clears throat> and we're supposed to bring in the entire world and feed and clothe and house and provide them with education and health care. It doesn't work. Now, I, I personally believe in free college for American kids if they're willing to take a course of study in a field where we need people. And I know that there are conservatives who disagree. And by the way, we're allowed to disagree. But it makes sense. We invest in our children to invest in the future of our country because American kids are America's future. For those social warriors out there, we want social justice. We're going to release criminals because it's not fair for them to go to jail. Well, there are certain cases where perhaps prison isn't the solution. But goodness, if you really want social justice, we need to be dealing with children <clears throat> when they're first born and provide them with a safe, wholesome environment and a good education so they could maximize their capabilities uh, like that old army ant said be all you can be so if you want to become a doctor or a biologist or a chemist or a metallurgist and we have needs for those professions if you have the grades we certainly should consider giving free college but to americans not lawful immigrants certainly not illegal aliens take care of american kids Get children out of poverty, American children out of poverty. Imagine how much better off everybody would be. Children who are successful in school will go on to live hopefully successful lives. I remember a while back reading the statistic. It was something like 70% of the people who committed violent crimes, robbing stores, that kind of thing, 70% were semi-illiterate, if not totally illiterate. There's a nexus between education and outcomes in people's lives. So why aren't we focused on educating American kids? I'll tell you why. 
because corporations don't give a rat's tail about American children. They want to hire foreign workers who are willing to work for substandard wages under substandard conditions. And I'm even talking about high-tech workers. And the lawyers, of course, love doing it because these folks need lawyers to get the visas to come here. That's part of the reason I had a major argument with Bob Goodlatte when he was the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee and an advocate for the H-1B visa and amnesty, by the way. Well, you know, we can't deport them all. We have a broken system. And we're hearing this now from Biden. And I want you to think about that statement. We have a broken immigration system. Okay, what's broken about it? Well, the proof that we have millions of illegal aliens proves the system is broken. Well, what is Biden doing to try to lower that number, to fix that element of the broken system? Absolutely nothing. He's exacerbating the problem, isn't he? But is that all that's broken? We hear a lot about catch and release. So I want you to think about catch and release. Catch and release is a term used to describe a situation where the Border Patrol, and this happens with ICE agents also. I can't tell you how many times I arrested an illegal alien, and we didn't have room at the inn, as we jokingly referred to the immigration lockup. So we had to release them, catch and release. You arrest them, you fingerprint them, you photograph them, you do the paperwork, and you send them on their merry way with an NTA, notice to appear, sarcastically referred to as a notice to disappear. Well, why aren't they showing up for the hearings? Anybody have any ideas? I'll tell you why they don't show up. It's not a mystery, but nobody talks about it, because if they talked about it, you'd say, whoa, this is a fixable problem. They don't want the problem fixed. They want the status quo. This is about flooding America with limitless numbers of foreign workers, foreign consumers, people that can be exploited. And the hell with American Americans. I mean, it's short-sighted. It's like sawing the branch off of a tree while you're sitting on the branch and then discover you're sitting on the wrong side of the branch. But the reason that the aliens almost never show up for a hearing unless they have something going for them, like they marry an American, maybe even by fraud, but no one's going to investigate it, especially with Biden and the lack of resources, is because there's no consequences if you don't show up for a hearing. When you get a ticket for running a red light or speeding or, or whatever, broken taillight. <clears throat> the police officer is doing a bail hearing basically on that street corner. He or she decides, is this person going to show up in traffic court if I issue a summons? Because they don't have to give you a summons. They can arrest you. You get caught speeding, they can put handcuffs on you, detain you, and put you before the traffic court. The law permits that. So a summons is actually a courtesy. Now, why do they do it? Well, they have your license, they have your registration, they know where you live, they know what car you own, they could suspend your license, they could suspend your registration, they could eventually seize your vehicle, they could arrest you. So there's consequences to not showing up in traffic court. That's not to say that people don't not show up. Of course, there's a certain percentage that won't show up. They become fugitives. But generally... Honest, decent people, they get a traffic ticket, they go to court, they pay the fine, whatever the deal is, they take care of it, their insurance goes up, and, and it's the way we do business. But for illegal aliens, if they show up, they might be deported, so they don't show up. And guess what? There's no one to look for them. And Joe Biden has gone further, saying you will not, if you're an immigration agent, you will not arrest any illegal aliens unless there's a warrant for that person's deportation or removal, and that's not enough should be enough, but it isn't. And you're allowed as an immigration agent to make warrantless arrests. The guy appears to be an illegal alien. You stop him, you're talking to him. Where are you from? I'm from Jamaica. Do you have a green card? I couldn't find it. Sure thing. You're coming with me. You verify their ID, and you wind up putting them for a deportation hearing. They did it many times from countries all over the world, Europe, Asia, Israel, didn't matter, Africa, the Caribbean. The immigration laws don't discriminate, even though we keep hearing this nonsense. It's discriminatory. So many are Latinos. Well, that's because of geography, not discrimination. Mexico shares a 2,000-mile border with the United States, and, and Latin Americans can flow through Mexico into the United States. So a large percentage of the illegal aliens are Latino. It's not that we're being bigots. It's that they're just following uh, you know, the route north to the U.S.-Mexican border. It's a function of geography, not bigotry. We used to arrest illegal aliens all the time. It was another day in the city. Big deal. It became a big deal when the globalists 
the lawyers and all these others, the, the various religious organizations and the special interest groups and the unions saw gold in them, our hills, and said, wow, if we represent the illegal aliens, we can get money out of them and we can get political power out of this. And it wasn't about governance or representing Americans or protecting America. It was about power. It was about campaign contributions and control of the population. These are control freaks. And when you look at Nadler, you understand why. I mean, could you imagine Nadler getting invited to too many parties? I, I mean, look at who most of these characters are. So they do draconian things because now they're lodged and in charge and they can get away with it. Or you had Goodlad, who's an immigration lawyer. Of course he wants an amnesty program. It's the employment program for immigration law firms. It wasn't about getting the aliens out of the shadows, but into the waiting rooms of the law firm. Both parties are involved with this game. And the hell with Americans. So we're told the immigration system is broken. So we're going to take a broken immigration system and we're going to give lawful status to people without the capacity to interview them or even or do a field investigation so let's go back to that report 9-11 and terrorist travel page 61 says this and i quote this also in my article i want you to read this and talk to your neighbors about it so page 61 says exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists in july 2001 the cia warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups including hamas hezbollah and the egyptian islamic jihad Indeed, there's evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connections to fraudulent document vendors and corrupt government officials, human smugglers clearly have the, quote, credentials, unquote, necessary to aid terror travel. And then page 98 says this. Terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans were to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, which is what DACA was, by the way, folks, or applying for asylum. How many are applying for asylum now? Applying for asylum after entering. In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit suffice to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. How clear is that? How crystal clear is that? And there have been subsequent attacks in the United States by terrorists who one way or the other gained the immigration system. And there have been hearing after hearing after hearing. I wish they had listenings instead of hearings. And so there was a hearing that was held, and I'm, I'm trying to pull it up on my computer. Bear with me for the moment. I apologize. Um, this will take me a second. Well, first of all, there was an article in Judicial Watch, October 18, 2018, a hundred ISIS terrorists caught in Guatemala as Central American caravan heads to the U.S. And there's more caravans heading, by the way, folks. And that report by Judicial Watch began by saying, in a startling revelation, Guatemala's president announced in the country's largest newspaper that nearly a hundred ISIS terrorists have been apprehended in the impoverished Central American nation. We know they're all over Latin America. We understand where the risk is. And what are we doing about it? Nothing. So now let's get to this one. On April 17, 2018, the House Counterterrorism and Intelligence Subcommittee held a hearing on the topic, State Sponsors of Terrorism and Examination of Iran's Global Terrorism Network. So here is a quote from one of the witnesses at that hearing, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Emanuel Odalenge. Uh, he's at the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies. I want you to listen very carefully to these two paragraphs. The first paragraph is disconcerting. The second paragraph keeps me awake most nights. First paragraph. This is, again, Dr. Emmanuel Ortolenge. In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks, let me just stop and make this point. When you think Hezbollah, you think Middle East. Hezbollah has its origins in Lebanon that is now controlled and funded by Iran, Iran being the biggest state sponsor of terror around the world. All right? When you think Hezbollah, you don't think Latin America, you think Middle East. Well, guess what? Think Latin America. So let me continue. 
In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks have also increasingly cooperated with violent drug cartels and criminal syndicates, often with the assistance of local corrupt political elites. Cooperation includes the laundering of drug money, arranging multi-ton shipments of cocaine to the United States and Europe, and directly distributing and selling illicit substances to distant markets. Proceeds from these activities finance Hezbollah's arms procurement, its terror activities overseas, its hold on Lebanon's political system, and its efforts both in Lebanon and overseas to keep Shia's communities loyal to its cause and complicit in its endeavors. So people that are buying drugs in the United States are funding Hezbollah. Just stop and think about that. And what are we doing to discourage it? Bupkis, nothing. Nada, as in not a damn thing. But now here's the second paragraph, and I want you to listen very carefully. Listen very closely and try not to forget what I'm about to tell you. Keep it in your mind. This toxic crime terror nexus, that is between Hezbollah and human traffickers and drug smugglers, all right? This toxic crime terror nexus is fueling both the rising threat of global jihadism and the collapse of law and order across Latin America, Latin America, that is helping to drive drugs and people northward into the United States. It is sustaining Hezbollah's growing financial needs. It is helping Iran and Hezbollah consolidate a local constituency in multiple countries across Latin America. It is thus facilitating their efforts to build safe havens for terrorists and a continent-wide terror infrastructure that they could use to strike U.S. targets. And what are we doing? Flooding America with people whose identities are unknown and unknowable, overwhelming the immigration system that the politicians tell you is broken, so obviously, if it's broken, load it up some more. You have a flat tire? Let's put more baggage in the trunk of your car. Who cares if the tires are flat? Are you crazy? So the broken system is going to be called upon by corrupt politicians, forgive the redundancy in that statement, to process applications for tens of millions of illegal aliens who evaded the inspections process for God knows what reason. Now, it's interesting because back around 2014 or so, Chuck Schumer proposed a federal law that would make trespassing on critical infrastructure and national landmarks a federal crime with a five-year jail sentence attached to it. He said, you know, there are laws about trespass on the local and state level, but the punishment isn't great enough. Generally, people get a couple months in jail, and it doesn't deter them. He said, we need to have serious deterrence. And in his article for his press release on his official Senate website, he even talked about a 16-year-old kid who climbed the World Trade Center when it was under construction, the so-called Freedom Tower. And he said, that kid, I don't care that he's a kid. I don't care if you're, a, if you're an adrenaline junkie or a criminal. If you trespass, you're doing something dangerous, you need to go to jail. <clears throat> but on the other hand, Schumer and his Democrat friends and Republican friends, when you trespass on America, you've earned the right to stay here. I want you just to stop and ask yourself, does this make a lick of sense to anybody? And that's why I talked about the absurdities being foisted on America by the politicians and by the Biden administration. And the term absurdities is actually lifted from a quote by, by Voltaire who said, those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. This is an absurdity. The immigration system is broken, so we're going to legalize everybody with a system that can't handle its workload now. The immigration system is broken, so we're not able to protect Americans from criminals and terrorists and aliens with dangerous diseases and protect the jobs of of American workers. So let's bring in more foreign workers. Let's bring in more people with disease, and let's bring people in whose identities can't be verified. And it's amazing because Kamala Harris said she wants to address the motivation that people have for coming to America illegally, and she's going to meet with the people in Latin America and work it out with them because these people are desperate. So let's stop for a moment. We don't know why people run the border. 
We think we do, but we really don't. You know, there's a, a riddle we used to tell when we were kids back in public school. You know the joke. Why did the chicken cross the road? And the answer, to get to the other side. Okay. So why did the alien run the border? We don't know. What are the possibilities? <clears throat> well, everyone wants to portray them as desperately poor people who need a job and want to feed themselves and their families. And I can tell you, I met many of them who were in that situation, but we can't bring the world here to solve world hunger, as I told you in the beginning. But that's not the only motivation that aliens have for running our border. I've arrested people who are wanted for murder and other terrible crimes in countries around the world. Japan and Israel and England and Jamaica and you name it, and we arrested them. Why? Because human nature is human nature. I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care about your ethnicity. I don't care about your religion. It doesn't matter. Human nature is human nature, and every group of people have the good, the bad, and the ugly. <clears throat> so a percentage of the people that are trying desperately to get into America aren't necessarily looking for employment, but are fleeing law enforcement because they're wanted. Or they're coming here because they want to set up shop because they're part of the drug cartel. Or they're coming here because they're involved with terrorist organizations. So we don't know why they're coming if we don't know who they are and we have no access to their backgrounds, and we don't. And that's a problem, which is why it's a problem in terms of how we're letting in all the refugees from Afghanistan, because as I read in that piece, people claiming asylum might well be terrorists. And we've had cases of aliens who were translators working with our military who were actually working behind our backs in furtherance of terrorism, in furtherance of alien smuggling. We don't know who these folks are. They're not all coming to wash dishes and mow lawns. Some are. And some take routine jobs as a way of cover. Somebody once described a good uh, spy as somebody who wouldn't attract the attention of a waiter or waitress at a greasy spoon diner. Point of fact, spy might even be that waiter or waitress in the greasy spoon. Well, the same could be said of terrorists. When you read about terrorists who are arrested in the United States, almost always the article will tell you where they worked or what school they were going to when they were arrested. And generally, the work they do involves motor vehicles because cars and vans and ice cream trucks give them mobility, and it gives them the ability to have clandestine meetings with lots of people on a given day that no one knows anything about. If you're a terrorist and you're driving a bus or you're driving a limo, right, when the guy gets into the back of your car or that young lady gets into the back of your car, Anybody doing surveillance would have no idea if that's really a customer going shopping or going to a doctor's appointment or if there's actually a meeting taking place between the driver of the vehicle and the person sitting in the back seat. So they're not stupid, but we are. And so we have a situation where we have millions of people in the country. We don't know who they are, why they're here, who they're affiliated with. And you have politicians of both parties saying, well, the solution is to legalize them. Now we'll know who they are. No, we won't. <clears throat> There's no capacity to investigate them. There's no capacity to interview them. We're talking millions of people. And, and, you know, sometimes you hear kind of stupid things on TV because you have the talking heads who know nothing about anything, but they have opinions because they're sitting in front of a television camera. So how many times have you heard somebody say, and it sounds so reasonable, and you hear it from both sides, well, if the immigrant or the migrant, God forbid, illegal alien, if the immigrant has been living here for the last 10 years and was never arrested, that should mean that we should let them stay here. By the way, there are provisions under the immigration laws where if you're here for a significant period of time, we can terminate deportation proceedings against you. But in order for that to happen, <clears throat> you have to do an investigation because here's the first question. What do you think the first question should be from that statement? If an alien has been living in the United States, let's say for 10 years with no arrest, it's reasonable and appropriate to give that alien the pathway to legal status or even citizenship. What's the first question that should come to your mind? Give up. Fasten your seatbelts. How do you know how long the alien has been living here? 
When an alien runs the border, they're not inspected. There is no record of entry that is created. What would prevent an alien from claiming on a document, on an application, that they came here 12 years ago when in reality they came here 12 weeks ago? Many of them use multiple false identities. Now, understand the limitation. Almost no interviews, no field investigations. How does the adjudicator determine how long that alien has been present in the United States? The answer is, you can't. I know I was an adjudicator for a year. I was an agent for 26 years. I investigated fraud cases. Unless you have a track record and the ability to go out and conduct investigations and show photographs to people, you have no idea who the person really is or when they got here. It's just that simple, you know? They want you, they, the media, the globalists, the politicians, want you to believe that there's some magic, you know, the guy walks into an immigration office and, you know, we we x-ray his head or something. God only knows. We play Mighty Karnak, those of you old enough to remember Johnny Carson. There's no way of knowing. So if you're willing to let somebody who's been living here for 10 years get lawful status, then you need to be willing to give someone who's been here for 10 days lawful status because it might be the situation. We don't have that capability, and nobody wants to talk about a lack of that capability, but that should be an integral part of it. <clears throat> it's like making plans to go to Mars. You say, well, once we fire up the anti-gravity device on the rocket, and it turns out there is no anti-gravity device, but it sounds good. Yes, once we have anti-gravity, we can get to Mars, and we can do it quick enough that radiation isn't a problem. Okay, great. You have the anti-gravity device? Nope. Well, what do we do until then? Well, I guess we're not going to Mars. Can we figure out how long this person has been in the United States with no capacity to interview so many people? Forget about a field investigation. So if you can't determine how long they're here, this whole notion that if they've been here for 10 years, which sounds reasonable, goes right out the window because that premise evaporates. It sounds wonderful, it sounds rational, it sounds reasonable, and it's utter bull. But how many times do you hear it? You hear it all the time. If they've been here for eight years, nine years, 12, they come up with some number. If you can't determine how long they're here, much as this might sound reasonable and fair, it's ridiculous. Have you ever heard that anywhere before? Of course not. The talking heads won't tell you this. Most of them have no idea, but it sounds good if they've been here for so long and we don't know if they've been here 10 days or 10 years. God bless all of us. So we don't know what motivates them. They're not only coming from Latin America, by the way, and we've had people come in from through Latin America who were from the Middle East, Israelis and Iranians and all kinds of folks lying about their places of birth And then you see these articles. Some of these aliens are from Venezuela. What you should know about Venezuela is since Venezuela became a communist country, basically, they have a a booming business in selling authentic passports in fake names to foreign nationals for the right price because corruption is rampant. You should also know that Venezuela works hand in glove with Iran. So if you, if you spend a few years in Latin America, like we see with these Haitians, they've been there for several years. So if you have an Iranian who spent the last five years in Venezuela, now speaks the language, you know, Spanish fluently, what's to prevent Muhammad from taking on Miguel as his identity? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But again, these are issues that you're not going to hear in the mainstream media because most of the people sitting in front of the cameras are clueless. They've never done the job. And they latch on to some idea. I've had people say to me, mandatory E-Verify solves the problem. I say, really? Absolutely. If you punished employees who hired illegal aliens and you made them use E-Verify, problem is solved. What's the problem, Mr. Cutler? You're wasting everyone's time with a lot of nonsense. Here's the problem. And you heard it in that statement. Someone marries an alien for fraudulent purposes. They get a green card. They sail through the E-Verify process. But we still have the same problem. Well, they commit identity theft. If you don't have agents who can go out there and conduct audits, 
and see if companies are hiring people off the books. I've gone into factories where the guy has, you know, two sets of time cards. One set of time cards are the legal people, and he has all the appropriate paperwork, the I-9s and everything else, for, let's say, you know, 53 employees. <clears throat> you go into the factory floor, and there's 300 people. They've got paperwork for 53 people, but in reality, they have 300 employees. What about the other, you know, 200 and whatever people? I'll tell you whatever. You don't know about it unless you physically go and conduct an investigation to see who's working there. If you don't do that, you won't know. What does that require? Immigration agents. What don't we have? Immigration agents. That was how George W. Bush set up DHS. Immigration was not supposed to be divided up where you had a separate Customs and Border Protection and then ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. It was supposed to be unified. I called it the Immigration Enforcement Tripod. It was the topic of the hearing I did for Tom Tancredo's Immigration Reform Caucus in November 2001, right after the attacks of 9-11. And the very next day, I received correspondence from the INS back then, Immigration and Naturalization Service, telling me, you know what, you're no longer an agent. You have an injured leg. You're physically unable to do the job. And I kept saying I could go on doing my job. I'm just not going to be able to chase people. I injured my knee, not my brain, not my eyes, not my hands. Don't expect me to chase people up and down stairs. But certainly that's, that's not a big deal. There's so many jobs I could have had. But the problem was I was making waves, and the idiots I worked for needed Dramamine because nothing scared them more than bureaucratic waves. And they wanted to do the bidding of the political elite that wanted an open border and a failed immigration system. Both parties. Both parties. <clears throat> so what did Bush do? He cut border, border Patrol out from interior enforcement, put up a wall, which made things completely unwieldy. John Hostetler, Republican chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee, said that the way he put it together gave us immigration incoherence and made it impossible to secure the borders and force the laws to protect the American people. But that wasn't enough for him. Then he folded in other agencies. It was never supposed to be immigration and customs. It was supposed to be immigration enforcement. And you have agriculture on the border working for CBP, and you have Secret Service and ATF and all these other hodgepodge agencies, TSA, all under ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And then all the, almost all the people that were put in charge by Bush had zero immigration background. Why? He did everything he could to torpedo immigration law enforcement after 9-11. After 9-11, in violation of the Homeland Security Act, which was the enabling legislation that created the Department of Homeland Security. It was so bad I came to call the Department of Homeland Surrender. And then Bush had Border Patrol agents arrested for doing their jobs. So we go full circle. So now we've got Joe Biden, smoking Joe Biden out there, Here's the AOL News Report, 11.30 this morning. Uh, and this was a joint article. It was published by NBC News, those who have AOL. <clears throat> if you're a dinosaur like I am, when you go to the AOL website to, to retrieve your email, you also get news. So AOL picked up an NBC News report. This was this morning at 11.30 a.m., and here's the headline. Biden says officials seen chasing Haitians on horseback will pay. How dare you arrest people who are here illegally? How dare you chase them? You should have waved at them and said, hi, how you doing? Having a nice day? Can I get you some lunch? Bush had Border Patrol agents criminally prosecuted for doing their job. And now you've got Biden threatening the Border Patrol, which really seems to be a violation of uh, a section of law that addresses the obstruction of justice, threatening officials to alter the way they do their job. And this guy is the boss. He is the commander-in-chief, or as I called him in my article, the con-man-in-chief. So if you're a Border Patrol agent and you see that headline and you have a family to support, how eager are you going to be to go out there and do your job tomorrow morning, folks? when you have a mortgage to pay, maybe hospital bills, God forbid, to pay. The intimidation is not against the lawbreakers, but about against the law enforcers. And if this isn't fast backwards, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. 
that this is where we are and this is why it's so damn dangerous. Instead of simply saying we're going to do an investigation to find out what happened, if I was president, I would do that. There were allegations that the aliens were being whipped, and it turned out that the agents were just using their reins that they used to control the horses to keep the people away from the horses so they wouldn't get trampled. But here Biden says they were trampling the people and whipping them. There were no whips. And then Kamala Harris comes out, and she's always got this insipid giggle. She's the, the giggler. You know, the Joker and Batman, she's the giggler. My goodness. <clears throat> so, I, you know, I think of her as political life insurance. If anyone wants to get rid of Biden, look who we get. So Kamala's out there giggling. Oh, my God, this is terrible. This is like when we mistreated the Native Americans. What is? You had Border Patrol agents trying to prevent the illegal entry of aliens into the United States? So we're going to equate that with atrocities? Really? They're doing their job, which obviously they don't want them to do. That's what the real dirty secret is. And I got news for you. There's probably enough Republicans that are happy about this. You know, the big div- dividing point. Both sides want comprehensive immigration reform. The Democrats want to pass the citizenship and the Republicans don't because the Democrats want them to be able to vote and the Republicans don't, but for different reasons, they all want to flood America with tens of millions of foreign nationals and screw over Americans. Is this really a government of the people, by the people, and for the people? If you're that concerned about COVID, why are you allowing people by the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, to flood into our country who haven't been vaccinated and might be sick? And if you listen to Jim Psaki, what was she saying? We screen them, we look at them, but they have symptoms. <clears throat> what does that mean if they have symptoms? If they're unconscious and throwing up on the floor? If they're gasping for air? People can carry the virus without any outward signs. Are they giving them any screenings? Of course not. Are they asking for vaccination records? Of course not. But we've got to get control over COVID so Americans don't die. And let's flood America with people who have COVID and disperse them all over the United States. So what's the point? Is it that we're hoping that a lot of people get sick and croak and we'll have cover? See, we told you to get vaccinated. I mean, I'm trying to understand how this game is being played and why it's being played, but none of it makes any sense to a rational person. I thought I was rational. God knows. What sense does it make to demand Americans get vaccinated while you're flooding America with people who not only haven't been vaccinated but might be sick? It's like Abbott and Costello, go ahead and back up, which gets us back to Voltaire. Those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. This is an absurdity. We're going to build back better. Really? by flooding America with tens of millions of immigrants who are now going to compete for jobs and the impact this has on education, on health care, on infrastructure, on inflation. More people, they need food and water and electricity and sewerage and housing and transportation, hospital care, doctors, schools. We're overwhelming ourselves purposely. Talk about biting off more than you could chew. But why is no one questioning this? Why do we keep hearing what the immigrants want? Now, I feel bad. I've I've arrested people who I felt bad for. I'm going to tell you right up front. I remember arresting a number of illegal aliens, especially a couple of young teenagers that that were working here illegally. And I would stop by, you know, a kosher deli or whatever. You know, I'm a Jewish guy from Brooklyn. Where else would I take them? and get them an overflowing roast beef sandwich. I I remember people sitting in the back of my car inhaling that sandwich. They couldn't believe how great it tasted. They never had anything like it before. I felt bad for them. But the law is the law, and the law was passed by Congress. And it's it's the law of the land. And by the way, if you want to talk about the Constitution, because they always throw the Constitution into all this nonsense, Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution of the United States of America says that the states are to be provided or guaranteed a Republican form of government and protected against invasion and domestic violence. Are we not witnessing an invasion 
And it's not just the Mexican border. We're all watching Del Rio, Texas. What's happening all along that border? God knows. Everyone's watching that one place. What's happening 100 miles away or 1,000 miles away at the 2,000-mile border? What's happening on the Canadian border? Who's coming in by boat? How many people are getting visas and flying into our airports who never should have been granted visas? Is anyone even paying attention to that? We're all focused on Del Rio. I wrote an article a number of years ago, and I called it Border Security in the Immigration Colander. The Mexican border is just one hole in that colander. There are so many different ways aliens can come to the United States. And everyone's focused on one town, Del Rio, Texas. What about Eagle Pass? And what about San Ysidro? And, and, And what about San Diego? And we go down the list. Who knows what's going on there? No one's talking about it. This is a shell game. And now they made the camp go away, and they're promising they're going to get rid of the aliens, but they've allowed tens of thousands of these people into the country. Many are from Haiti, maybe. I have a real problem. I remember back during the Vietnam War, LBJ was accused of having a credibility crisis. Joe Biden has one hell of a credibility crisis. We're living in one of the most dangerous eras in U.S. history. Biden's actions in Afghanistan exponentially increased the threat of terror attacks in the United States. So you couple that with a dysfunctional immigration system and an open border. What could possibly go wrong? I, I really hope that you will take the opportunity to share my articles with as many people as you can. I, I really do. The American people need to understand exactly what's happening and how it impacts them. This isn't xenophobia. We shouldn't be bullied. We have a right. In fact, we have an imperative to challenge our elected representatives and ask them the appropriate questions. And, you know, of course, Voltaire said that you judge a person's intelligence by the questions that they ask. We have every right to know what in the world is doing and why we're doing it. There's an awful lot of danger in the policies of this administration. And every day, people coming into the country pose a threat to our survival. Put that in perspective. It took 19 hijackers on 9-11 to kill more people than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. And the death count from 9-11 continues. Since 9-11, thousands more have died. And there's an average of, I believe it's two people per week who are now dying because of their exposure to the toxins when the towers collapsed. Two people every uh, week. And we have (laughs) how many millions of illegal aliens in the country? If only a few of these people are here for terrorism or other nefarious purposes, we are in deep trouble. I will go back and tell you that we have an imperative, an absolute right, and indeed an imperative to question our elected representatives and find out what in the world they're doing and why they're doing it. And this isn't about one party or the other. Always vote for individuals, never for a party. Individuals. Get involved with the um, primary process and ask the right questions. I hope my articles at Front Page Mag and at usinc.org are helpful to you. I hope my program is helpful to you. If you like my program, if you like my articles, please share the link with as many people as you can. And please get your fellow Americans thinking and questioning what they're observing. Again, I remind you what Voltaire said. You judge a person's intelligence by the questions they ask. But at the end of the day, I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. I urge you to get involved. The future of our country, the future of our children, and the future of their children are all hanging in the balance. Have a great weekend, everybody. I thank you for joining me, and I look forward to joining with you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. So long for now.